0: Welcome back. I'm Heather Caro. And I'm Teresa Curley. And we are your hosts today for Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining us. We've had some great conversations this morning. If you've missed any of the conversations, you can always check them out on any podcast format, platform that you use, or you can go to realpresenceradio.com or download our app. All our podcasts are on there, too. So just look for Real Presence Alive, and you can listen to any of the conversations we've had this morning. We've had some great ones. Yeah, it's been a really fun morning. It's I'm glad you great enjoy Friday. it, because you're going to be doing more of it, Teresa.
1: Oh, it'll be fun. <laughs> it'll be fun.
0: So moving right along, it is the feast day of St. Gregory the Great. So might as well round up our show with another Gregory, Father Gregory Luger. Thanks, Father, for joining us.
2: You're welcome.
0: So, uh, Gregory, on a feast day of St. Gregory the Great. So, tell us a little bit about St. Gregory the Great.
2: Yeah, so St. Gregory the Great is a great name, by the way. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, I sure find that my mother loves me. So Yes. <laughs> um, now, Gregory the Great, um, So he was, um, so he was Italian, actually. And he was Pope from 590 until 604, which, of course, was the time that he died. Um, now, he, for his part, was actually the son of a Roman senator, and and so he came from nobility, he came from wealth, but at one point in his life, he actually decided to enter the monastery. So he actually lived the quiet contemplative life of a monk for a time, and eventually he actually became a papal ambassador to Constantinople. So at that time, the emperor of Rome was living in Constantinople, and so he actually uh, would go over there periodically um, to advocate for the needs of Rome, um, especially uh, in times when they were being attacked by the Lombards. Now, eventually, uh, he was um, the elected pope, and there seemed to have been perhaps maybe some reluctance on his part. Uh, We do see that uh, uh, in the case of some of these canonized bishops and popes. They longed for uh, this rather quiet, contemplative life, and then everybody sees, well, this guy's really holy. He should be our bishop, or he should be our pope. Mm. Um, That seemed to be uh, St. Gregory the Great. Uh, He actually did, at at one point, lament... um, you know, some of the responsibilities of the papacy because it distracted him from contemplation. Um, Now, the other thing that he did was actually quite significant was, uh, as I mentioned, that Rome was, was being attacked by the Lombards, and, you know, it was getting rather run down and dilapidated, the city was. And for that reason, they often had to go over to Constantinople to ask for help, Unfortunately, they had some of their own problems over there, and so Rome kind of got neglected. And so this is where Gregory the Great actually stepped up. Um, he actually not only had come from wealth, but he also had great administrative skills, and um, some will refer to him as the first Papa Rex, or so the first Pope King. So he was one who was really acting, of course, as the Holy Father, but also acting uh, as a king in Rome uh because he had to. You know, he had to really organize the city. He was using his wealth to build it back up and kind of fortify them in the things that they needed. And in the midst midst of all that, he still uh, managed to be uh, very, very holy. So at the same time, Gregory the Great was sponsoring missionary activity. Uh, Most notably, he sent St. Augustine of Canterbury out to England, so uh, anybody... Of English ancestry has, has indirectly Gregory the Great to thank for uh, bringing the Catholic faith to England, hmm. but he also had uh, great contributions to the liturgy and to theology as well. So.
0: Well, and I think you touched on a really important point there, um, that a lot of us Catholics may not know about the history of the Catholic Church is the role of the Pope in those early days. Can you talk a little bit more about that on how the papacy may have looked different in that day?
2: Yeah, so due to some of the um, uh, historical circumstances in which popes and bishops found themselves in, they, of course, you know, first and foremost, they are successors to the apostles. And so their, their primary task is to... Uh, is to spread the faith, uh, to minister to the faithful, and to be their shepherd. You know, that's why um, your local bishop always has uh, his crozier that is shaped like a shepherd's crook. Um, That's his primary responsibility. Now, historical circumstances really pressed on them, sometimes these secular responsibilities as well. So, any time you have... um, society kind of falling apart, if you will, uh, there's always a need for leadership. And basically what happened in many parts of the Roman Empire, as it was crumbling in certain areas, uh, you had these, these bishops that were just naturally placed in this position of leadership in the Church, and so as the only recognizable authority figure Uh, they started to take on these other responsibilities of serving as kind of a governor as well. Now, the Pope, being the Bishop of Rome, he had a much larger responsibility uh, because he does have governance of the entire Church. And then, you know, on top of that, that even, you know, again, spread to more of the secular issues Mm -hmm. as well. We do see that eventually what ended up happening was the Pope did eventually become the monarch of what was known as the papal state. And so um, for a certain period of time, uh, there was actually a piece of Italy in which the Pope was actually the sovereign monarch. Hmm. And so while you know over in England, of course if you are Catholic, you recognized the, adult, the Bishop of Rome as the Pope, but you had your own king in England. But right. if you were living in Rome and in surrounding areas, not only did you recognize the Pope as Pope, but he was also your king in many ways as well. Hmm. Interesting. So that was um, something that actually sustained for a very long time. In fact, the papal states as a sovereign nation actually still existed uh, well into the 1800s actually. Um, it was actually the Italian Revolution that uh was the final downfall of the papal states, which I was a whole nother political context that we had with that with that issue, but nevertheless we did see that the Pope kinda had this duality, um, living of course his his vocation as chief shepherd, but he also had to take on these responsibilities of a king as well.
0: Wow. So for uh, Saint Gregory, this was a really large task because, like you said, he just wanted to contemplate life. <laughs> he just wanted a quiet life, and this right. is the opposite of that.
2: <laughs> right, and you know, Saint Augustine was one who had a a similar a similar fate. Uh, he also wanted to to be a monk, and then again, he lamented that he had all these secular responsibilities mm. by being bishop of Hippo, and now Gregory the Great again he even he even talks about you know the the necessity for your own contemplation and holiness of keeping your mouth shut actually <laughs> and uh he uh in in one of his writings he basically says the mind is like a well and uh the the mouth is what opens it up opens it up and lets the water out <laughs> and uh the more you open it the less there's the less water that's in there ah. and uh he uh but he even, even in one of his another one of his writings, he confesses that, you know, I'm not as contemplative as I should be, and where where I tell people that, you know, they need to keep keep away from gossip, and you know to you know to quiet themselves, here am I violating the exact thing that I'm exhorting people to do, mm-hmm. so you know, so I, I he basically said I feel a bit hypocritical. In what I'm in what I'm seeing here, of course, you know, you know how it often is with the saints. Uh, people looking from the outside in would would uh, look at what he's calling his greatest vice, and we say, "Boy, if that was if that was the least of my worries, I think I'd be doing pretty good." Right, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that was a great example that we have from Gregory the Great. Another thing that he actually contributed to, or that he did for. Uh, the local Italian, was uh, again. I mentioned how uh, the Roman Empire in that part of the world was was crumbling in many ways, and one thing he uh, that he put together was his dialogues, and mm. within the dialogues he uh, he talked about the lives of Italian saints. Now, among the dialogues that he wrote, uh, the best known one is actually his Life of Benedict. So he, of course, was a Benedictine monk for a time, and so he was quite familiar with St. Benedict's life, and so he is actually the one that wrote it down. So we actually have Gregory the Great to credit for having a written document of the life of St. Benedict. Hmm. Um, So if you're ever curious about uh, various stories of St. Benedict, uh, St. Gregory the Great um, has a very uh, helpful little dialogue that he that he wrote about that. So, wow. Um, yes, and it's very. I read it myself. Actually, I had the opportunity to read it at the Benedictine monastery, and uh, we'll say that Saint Benedict is recognized as a saint for a reason. Uh, it's actually quite edifying. So.
0: Wow. Well, if you're just tuning in, we are talking about St. Gregory the Great. It's his feast day today, and so very fitting to get to know who St. Gregory the Great was, a little bit about his story. And so we asked Father Gregory Luger to join us and kind of share a little bit about St. Gregory. So we're going to take a quick break, Father Luger. And when we come back, we're going to dive more into who St. Gregory was right after this. So stay with us, folks. More right after this break.
3: This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. How has Real Presence Radio impacted your life? Tune in September 15th through the 17th as our listeners join us live on the air to share their beautiful stories of how Real Presence Radio has inspired or impacted their lives. Join us September 15th through the 17th for the Fall Awaken Live Drive, right
1: here on Real Presence Radio. Over, I was interviewed at one of the live dives, and I stated that I had sold the pickup so I could have a car that had a good radio, and so I could listen to Real Presence Radio on my way to work in the morning. It had so much static, I couldn't, went under power lines and stuff, couldn't hear it most of the time. And it's just, for me, going to work in the morning, it, it's just a good way to get my mind and my thought into what the day is going to present you know, besides getting up in the morning and trying to cross myself every morning, dedicate myself to God, to start out hearing the news and a Catholic perspective in the morning at six o'clock, and wishing I could, while I'm at work, I could be listening to more of real presence. Uh, but it starts your day and it gets you thinking right, and it also, in listening to all the answers and and all all the shows, puts you uh, in the right mind and.
3: This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show.
0: And good morning and welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. I'm Teresa Curley. And we're your hosts today for Real Presence Live, and we are celebrating the feast day of St. Gregory the Great, (laughs) one of the church fathers. And we're talking with Father Gregory Luger, and we're kind of getting to know St. Gregory a little bit more. So a couple questions right off the bat here, uh, Father Luger. Why is he called the Great and what does it mean that he's a church father?
2: Yeah, so uh, Gregory the Great is one of only a handful of saints that has uh, that title. And from what I've been able to tell, it actually appears that The title, The Great, was given to him by popular acclamation. Now, at that time, the Church did not have the formal canonization process that we have today. Mm. And so when Gregory died, actually the people of Rome were immediately proclaiming him a saint. Mm. Um, Mm. Now, I think for the part of The Great, it would be a similar thing, where... People just basically were just calling him that, and it stuck. Uh, The same could be said of St. Leo the Great, as well as the other saints who who have and hold that title. Now, uh, you mentioned that uh, Gregory the Great is a Church father. So the fathers of the Church are are the theologians um, that lived after the apostolic age, and, you know, there's a little bit of debate as to their, as to when the episode, uh, excuse me, as to when the, uh, the age of the church fathers ends, but some put it at late, as late as the 10th century. Hmm. Um, so the church really looks to these guys as, um, as authoritative theologians. The reason being is, uh, first of all, their proximity to the gospel.
1: Hmm. So,
2: they of course are much closer in time to the events of the New Testament than we are. And so, you know, if you go to the really early church fathers in the second century, these were guys that were, were evangelized by the apostles. And as you as you go down through the generations, you again see that these church fathers did just have that closeness in time to the apostles. Mm. Now, where the church really pays attention to the to the church fathers is when they're all saying the same thing. In fact, the church teaches that when the the church fathers say the same thing, uh, they are speaking infallibly. So that's that's worth uh, paying attention to. So, for example, you can you might find one teaching in St. Gregory the Great, who was writing at one time in Rome. And then you might see the same thing being said uh, by St. Basil the Great over in Cappadocia at at a different time. And then, you know, in another part of the empire, you have all these other Church Fathers saying all the same Mm things. And so Mm -hmm. we see that, we say, okay, there's something to this. There's a reason as to why these guys are all saying the same thing. Right. Um, Whereas, you know, you look at sometimes other religions— It kind of depends on which region, and they have variation within a religion depending on the region. But the Catholic Church doesn't have that. We see that the Church Fathers, in spite of not even knowing each other, were all saying the same thing. Hmm. And so, again, we look to the Church Fathers as these authoritative theologians on doctrinal matters. And we do see that the Church will often quote them in official documents, uh, we're all familiar with uh, with Saint Thomas Aquinas, you know the great theologian. Uh, he quotes the church fathers extensively. Um, oftentimes, he will quote Saint Augustine or Saint Gregory the Great or Leo the Great as you know, you know as a way to prove his point. Mm. And so, yeah, so they do have a certain preeminence within the church's theology.
0: Right. Well, and I think it's interesting, too, because some people might be listening to um, St. Gregory the Great and who he is and who he was um, and don't realize that they actually have more of a connection to St. Gregory the Great than they might have known mm-hmm. because he is such a part of our liturgy. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, so he has affected uh, uh, the, the liturgy in uh, very important ways that many Catholics are unaware of. So, um, first of all, uh, we are all familiar with uh, the Roman Canon, which um, is often co- oftentimes called Eucharistic Prayer One in the liturgy. So that is, uh, you know, the oldest Eucharistic prayer in the Roman Church, and in its final form. Now, it developed over centuries, but in its final its final form, was promulgated by Gregory the Great. Hmm. Um, I myself actually had a had a bit of a moment when I was celebrating uh, the extraordinary form of the of the Latin Rite, um, where I remember I was standing there at the altar, saying the Roman Canon, and I thought to myself, "This is exactly how Saint Gregory the Great said it. Hmm. You know, wow. this is exact, is exactly the same."
0: Beautiful.
2: Um, yeah, and you know, there's just such that beautiful connection that we can have with the saints when we when we realize that. There were also some other um, uh, other modifications that he made to the liturgy, uh, such that it actually would have been quite similar to what we know as the extraordinary form today. Now, of course, there were further developments down the centuries, but again, there would have been many elements uh, that, would, that we would still recognize. The other uh, big influence that he had was Gregorian chant. So... The Church actually recognizes Gregorian chant as the music that is proper to the liturgy, or at least to the Roman liturgy. So there are many different forms of chant in the Church. You know, if you go out to the Eastern Rites, they have their own chants. There have even been different forms of Latin chant as well. Now, Gregory the Great, although he likely didn't write the chants of Gregorian chant, he is the one who compiled them and promulgated them. Hmm. And so, for that reason, they bear his name. And so, calling, calling these chants Gregorian is no accident of history. Hmm. So, because we can kind of wonder, well, why Gregorian? You know, what's the significance of that? Well, these chants were, and this style of chant, was promulgated by Gregory the Great himself. So when we have these chants, when we sing them, I mean, again, those are chants that the church was singing, you know, in the late 500s. You really think about that. So Uh, if you're ever singing the the Agnus Dei, they were singing that in 590. Wow. You know, over 1,400 years ago.
0: So cool. It shows how the church is for, like, all times, all places, all people. Like That's awesome. mm
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Well, so, Father, we're running out of time this morning. Any last final thoughts that you want to impart on the listeners about St. Gregory the Great?
2: Yeah, there's, there's actually one last thing that I did want to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, is um, St. Gregory the Great also wrote a document called The Book of Pastoral Rule, um, which was actually widely read by bishops and by priests in which he actually gives practical wisdom to pastors
1: hmm. on
2: how to shepherd and admonish the faithful. And so, it's something that is actually well worth the read for any priest today, as it's just as very good practical wisdom that any priest can incorporate into his ministry.
0: Beautiful. Well... Father Luger, thank you so much for enlightening us and teaching us a little bit about St. Gregory the Great. We appreciate it.
2: You're very welcome.
0: All right. And you go do something special for your Saints' Feast Day. (laughs) (laughs) Will do. All right. Thank you so much.
2: You're very welcome.
0: All right, folks, that is the end of the show, but we have a preview because... Monday's a holiday. Ooh,
1: ooh. What are you
0: going to do? Uh, sleep in. <laughs> to, and go for a hike? And then Hopefully. we'll go from we'll there. <laughs> so Eli is up in the Fargo Studios. Eli, are you going to preview what we have coming up on Monday?
4: I suppose I can do that. We've got another great show coming up for you on Monday here on the Real Presence Radio Network, even though we won't be around. It's the best of Real Presence Live. Uh, Father Ross LaFromboise from the Diocese of Fargo will talk about how discipleship applies to the family. Plus, Peter Kroll will talk about bringing the Catholic faith into his work as a therapist. Plus, Father Robert Woolweber of the Diocese of Sioux Falls will talk about how you can find God in distractions. All that and a whole lot more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That'll be the best of Real Presence Live on Monday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central. And then we're back with a live show again on Tuesday with Father Richard Kunst and Cindy Jennings coming to you from Duluth, Minnesota. Where they'll talk about uh, an, ecumenical, an ecumenical discussion on the afterlife, plus straight talk with Father Richard Kunst, and how you can live out your Catholic faith in your public life. All that and a whole lot more is coming up next week here on The Real Presence Radio Network. Awesome. To you.
0: Wow. A lot to look forward to next week. Oh. Thanks. Thanks, Eli. I was just about to call you Gregory. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't work here anymore. he doesn't work hasn't worked there for <laughs> <Eli, laughs> Gregory used to do the producing also oh, gotcha. so okay. a, shout by out, a shout out to gregory Sponskowski. <laughs> happy feast day but um <laughs> yeah that was out of left field but anyways thanks Eli so uh Teresa first time co-hosting what do you think it was fun like honestly I kind of forget that we're on air I didn't and- let you talk enough I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> be careful what you wish for <laughs> no it's just like really fun to hear the conversations and things yeah so. super cool lucky lucky job to just get to hang out and talk to yeah. amazing people yeah and it's Cool too, like, whatever they're on here to talk about, they're passionate about it, like, they're on here for a reason, yes. And so, even like, I don't know, I wouldn't have necessarily thought to think about some of the things that we talked about today, right? But hearing how people are passionate about it, it's like, whoa, there's God's some good calling in us it. all yeah. to do our thing, so awesome! So, go out there and do. Your thing. <laughs>
4: Just do it.
0: <laughs> we don't have licensing for that. <laughs> oh, oops. That was unauthorized. I Need to add a disclaimer. <laughs> well, Teresa, it's been a joy, and we will have you on again as a co-host. You'll be a regular, so get used to it. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. All right, folks. Hope you have a great weekend and a safe day off Labor Day. Um, enjoy it. If you get it off. If not, God be with you. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great weekend. God bless.
3: This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central.